Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Ah, and welcome. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855kHz on your AM dial. Uh, thanks to Ruminations crew for another great show highlighting issues around homelessness and rooming houses. Um, my name's Bill, and today we're discussing recovery from compulsive gambling. I'd like to welcome my guests, Elizabeth and Adam, to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. Hey, Bill. Hi. How are you? Um, as members of Gamblers Anonymous, they're going to share their experience of compulsive gambling and how Gamblers Anonymous has helped them to recover. So uh, usually we talk about what it's like growing up, sort of the things that, that made you who you are mm-hmm. and how you think that influenced your, your later <laughs> progression into gambling and things like that. So um, I'll start with you, Elizabeth. So mm-hmm. what was, what's your earliest memories of, of your family and growing up? My family, well, my parents were Greek and they met in Germany during the war and uh, I was born just after the war but Dad had died and so Mum gave me to a German couple to be raised until I started school and so I don't have any recollection of seeing Mum in those early years and then after I started school, about a year later, she decided to come to Australia and because she needed to work, she placed me in a convent and I was there till I was almost 11 when by that time she'd remarried and had given birth to my sister. So in the convent, no one spoke German. <laughs> so I was left to my, you know. And I, I remember just always listening. And I've done that most of my life. Um, by the, when mum had my sister, then a few months later, I went to live with her and my stepdad. And he was Greek, so my parents spoke Greek at home and I only knew German and English, so that was another language I had to learn. But because mum spoke to the babies that she kept having in Greek, um, I soon learnt the language as well. But um, we were quite poor. I remember most of uh, my life mum used to buy clothes from the op shop, which wasn't that fashionable in those days. Um, It's changed, hasn't it? (laughs) I still do that, though, because um, I enjoy browsing and I don't have to buy anything. So, um, yeah, I'm still doing that. Um, So I've gone to school. Um, My stepdad, he was in his 30s when he married mum, and for a man of that age to all of a sudden in about four or five years to be landed with four children and um, a wife to support who was at home because she had kids Um, and they were paying rent. That was why. So I tried to convince my parents to let me leave school early. I didn't leave school until I was 18 and um, because I didn't get along with mum most of the time, I was working two jobs. I had an office job during the day and at night I worked as waitress and used to take on extra shifts and give my parents all my wage and within about 
two years they were able to purchase a home. Wow. And, yeah, yeah. they, yes, yeah. and it was, but I just kept working because I was never allowed to go out on dates or um, to parties, to dances. So um, it didn't bother me. But after I turned 21, uh, one day I sort of thought, I'm 21, I'm an adult, I can make my own decisions. And I decided to go to the restaurant where I worked because the owner was Greek and on Sundays he would turn that into a Greek nightclub and um, I thought it'd be safe. It was where I worked, the people I knew. But my parents and I had a massive fight that night and um, I didn't go back home and eventually I ended up marrying one of the guys I worked with. Um, Whether I would have done that if I'd had a different life, I don't know. But, um, yeah, that's how uh, life was for me. Um, I wanted to keep working uh, so we could buy our own home, but uh, I fell pregnant straight away and within the space of less than five years I had five children. Yeah. So I was stuck at home. (laughs) For some years, yeah. For quite some time, yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So with you, Adam, um, what was life like? for you growing up? Um, oh, I'm an only child. Uh, my parents were divorced before I can remember. Um, remember living with my mum five days of the week and then two days with my dad. My dad always took, you know, his responsibilities proper. Yep. You know, he paid the child support and looked after me. Yeah. Um, but it was like harrowing. You'd live with one parent and have a good weekend, you know, me dad, and not want to go back. And then you'd spend all week with your mum and not want to go to your dad's. Yeah. You you know, like... Torn. Torn, yeah. 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 Um, I've had a few things horrific happen to me in my life, but going from one parent to another, yeah, that's probably the worst thing that I've ever experienced. I just didn't understand it. And, um, yeah, it was not good at all. Yeah. So what were your parents like? Oh, they were cool. My mum had more love than anybody. She was my best mate. I remember... From an early age, saying, I knew I knew there was something going on with her, and um, I remember always thinking that when I get old enough, I want to marry my mum. Like it's a weird thing. I just yeah. wanted to make her happy. I wanted to have yeah. someone that was, you know, that would look after her and stand by her and back her up. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I love my mum. Yeah, bad, out of control, you know. Um, where with my dad, I think he had a few things going on that, out of the four weeks of the month, you know, three weeks would be bit tense and then there'd be one week where he'd like it'd be the best weekend ever it's like i was living with santa claus or something you know what i mean like um uh, yeah it was like it was yeah it was good but my parents were cool yeah my dad yeah he was all right yeah he was good yeah okay um what was the earliest thing that gave you an indication that gambling might be a a career for you (laughs) uh my mum was a member of aa um she she joined aa uh, when I was being born, you know what I mean? Like she'd done it probably six months before I was born. She yeah. decided that I don't want to have this kid brought up from an alcoholic parent, yeah? Yeah. I think that's why my mum and dad might have split up. I'm not saying that my dad's an alcoholic, but he didn't want to stop drinking and yeah. mum couldn't be with someone that drank. Yeah. All right, so um, she used to go away. We used to go away a lot on the weekends if she had me, you know, and um, we'd always be doing something. We'd go to Warrnambool or we'd go to Rosebud or we'd go to Rye or we'd go up to Echuca or something. She just seemed to want to get away on weekends. I remember this one time I found uh, some money walking along the beach 
And um, I had a plan to do with that money. I wanted to buy myself a toy the next day. You know what I mean? I'd already worked it out before I found the money. The toy yeah. was only like 80 cents or something yeah. like that. And like $5 was heaps. Yeah. And um, the next morning, I was left to my own devices. Mum used to get migraines occasionally, maybe twice a year. And when she did, she'd have to sleep them off. No Panadol or anything would help, you know. And I was left to my own devices as a young kid. And I remember at the front of the caravan park, they had a, um, a carnival. Got the clowns, put the ball in the mouth, and they had the balloons pop it, and they had rides and all that. But they also had a uh, a man that was selling tickets, lucky tickets. You'd pop the ticket, and if you won, you know, you won a certain amount of money. Yep. And, I'm, yeah, I won within the third thing. And he shouldn't have been selling me tickets, yeah. and I shouldn't have been left to my own devices. But, yeah. you know, things happen. There was a different age back then. And I won. And I wasn't happy to leave with that money i like I, I, that five dollars i turned into 25 yeah, yeah five times and it was a fortune 25 dollars yeah. was a fortune back in the you know the 70s um and i said to the bike how many more of these it was like yesterday how many more of these you got and he goes there's, there's one more in that packet and i just went spent the whole 25 dollars trying to win another 25 dollars yep. yeah, yeah. I, I can remember it like it was yesterday it was yeah. and i just thought right from then i've not I didn't think it, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I knew I had a problem. Yeah. yeah. So what did it feel like to have had all that money for a short time and to have lost it all? Oh, I was sick. Yeah. Yeah, even as a kid, I, was like, I felt sick. I knew that I'd done something wrong. Yeah. And I didn't know what being wrong was at a five, six-year-old. I yeah. can't remember how old I was. I could even say I was four. Yeah. But I can't comprehend being out on my own. For starters, at, at a, as a five-year-old, it yeah. was way, it was before primary school. Yeah, yeah, and um, I just felt sick. I knew that I'd done something wrong. I knew that I had to go back to my mum, and that when she woke up, and she said, "Come on, let's go and get your toy," and I had to explain to her that I didn't have that five-dollar note. I can't remember getting in trouble for it. I yeah. don't remember us having a discussion about it, but I knew in myself that yeah, it made me sick. Yeah, it really yeah. did make me sick. Okay. Uh, so what was life like at school? Um, I was all right. Um, being an only child, yeah. Did, did you have to go to two schools? No. No, no, no. No, no, no I went to school over in Dandenong. Yeah. And, um, but, but as I said, being from the thing, I did go to different schools. Over time. Yeah. 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 So I think I'd done uh, grade prep and grade one at, at A school. I remember what the school is. It doesn't matter, does it? No, no anyway. Mean, and then yeah. I went to grade grade two, three, and four at another school, and then circumstances changed, and I went back and lived with me dad in grade four, and went to another school, and then stayed with me dad for the rest of my life, yeah. adult life or child life. Um, but school, um, it was weird. We used to play marbles, but instead of rolling the marble at each other's, we used to play in a sandpit, and you'd be it'd be on a forty five degree angle, and you'd throw marbles, and if you hit person's marble you'd win the marble and if you didn't hit it they'd win your marble yeah and i remember the bell used to go as a grade one grade two and the teacher would have to come out and go come on kids back to class you know it's time to go and i'd get angry and go nah no one's leaving here until i've lost all my marbles it wasn't about me winning their marbles it was about me losing theirs and my mum would get rang up from the principal oh your kid's playing up can you come and have a word to him mm. i didn't want to go back to class i just wanted to play until all my marbles were gone and I was like a, a, a little naughty kid. Yeah, I would yeah. not listen. Obsessed. Yeah, obsessed with yeah. losing me marbles. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't about winning. Yeah. So did that progress as you went through school? 
Yeah, yeah, we used to play um, a game called Flicks with footy cards. You'd flick them up against the wall and whoever, and it would ruin your footy cards, but yeah. whoever got the closest to the wall. And then it happened with coins. So we'd do the footy card thing probably through grade three, four, five, six, go to high school, and then you'd do the coins up against the wall, year seven, year eight, year nine. Mm. And then by year nine, um, we started getting paid to go to school. We'd get a thing called Oz Study. And you'd get a certain amount of money each week to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, then then the T A B kicked in. So, right. Yeah. So this is at fifteen. Yeah, fourteen. Fifteen. 14 15. Yeah. Wow. I had a t I had a T A B account, like a phone account. By the time I was fifteen. I remember I definitely had it by the time yeah. I was fifteen. Wow. And I was gambling money wise, financial wise. All the other time just used to be a time thing. It wasn't real financial, you know, money started kicking in when I was study come in and I started getting Oz study. Well, I think it was fourteen and a half you're all there to get it. So yeah, I was betting money yeah. for yeah. A little bit earlier than that too, with the coins up against the wall, but mm. it wasn't a great amount. Yeah. So your gambling was mainly on racing? It was, yeah. Because yep. that was the only outlet you had. Yeah. Um like I, I do remember um that mum would have AA members come over on on during the week or on weekends and they'd play cards. And they'd go, come on, mate, you've got to go to bed at 8.30 as a yeah. six, seven-year-old. Yeah. And I wouldn't go to bed. I'd yeah. want to play cards, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and yeah, I seriously wanted to play cards. Like, oh, yeah, I was naughty. I'd chuck tantrums and that because I wanted to play cards. Yeah. And it wasn't about the winning. It was just about the the gambling side of things. Yeah, I, I don't know how to comprehend it, but yeah, I do remember playing poker. Yeah. Yeah. So was there any other gambling in your family? Uh, my grandmother was a gambler. Yeah. Um, she'd she'd only spend fifty cents on each race. She'd have a daily double for fifty cents, and she'd have a dollar quaddy, and that was her only gambling. Yeah, right. she was. Um, yeah, she gambled every Wednesday and Saturday. Yeah, yeah, and that was her thing. Yeah. Um, I can't remember anybody else gambling. That not off the top of my head. Not right. me mum or me mum's mum, my grandmother, or yeah. not my dad. Uh, not my grandfather, even though I was told that he was, but he was more a drinker. That was his number one vice was my grandfather. I've come from a family of alcoholics. Yes, okay. So I thought out of all the addictions that I would have got, would have been alcohol. Yeah. But it's not. It's, um, well, drugs and gambling, but mainly gambling, out of control gambling. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, you're listening to Living Free Show on 3CR, uh, 855 kilohertz in your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Um, we've got a back catalogue of podcasts, uh, more than 60 now, of the show, and they're available on 3CR at 3cr.org.au forward slash living free. And you can also find them on iTunes or your own podcast medium. Um, if you want to contact us, you can call the station on 94198377. Or you can send us an email at 3crlivingfree at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter if you like. Okay, um, I'm talking with um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth and Adam, and we're talking about gambling addiction. Um, so, Elizabeth, having five kids in five years and really just wanting to go back to work, um, it must have taken a a bit of time for you to actually achieve that goal. <laughs> so how, how uh, did things go? Well, I I was wondering when the last one, I was wondering what kind of job I'd be able to get yep. that I was free for the children's holidays. And I figured I'd become a teacher. 
thought I'd get the same time off as teachers do and I'd be able to stay at home with the kids during the holidays. But uh, the family all sort of thought, what do you want to go back to school for and be with young people? Um, They sort of had strange ideas which I couldn't comprehend and I thought, okay, I'll give that up as a... Uh, something I'm not going to do. But by then my husband had decided uh, when the youngest one started school that he bought a shop. Uh, We had a takeaway shop for a couple of years and then we sold that and bought a house with the residents and, I mean, a, a shop with the residents at the back and we turned it into a fish and chip shop where... All the kids and I used to have to work in it. Uh, the kids were aged 7, 8, 9, 10 and 11. Yep. <laughs> the oldest one, she would cook the hamburgers. The 10-year-old would serve the customers. My son would have to drag the potato sacks and help empty and, you know, they'd peel them. And the younger two would squash the hamburgers. And yep. it was funny because yeah. the youngest one was too little. And she didn't have the strength to do it. So we'd put it between two plastic sheets and she'd put it on a chair and she'd put a plate on it and then sit on it and hold the edge of the chair and wiggle so that, you know, (laughs) squash. So it was fun for them. Some of them have good memories and others don't. Uh, The worst part was that my husband used to keep all the money and he wouldn't pay neither me nor the children, so that created a lot of tension at home. And we owned various fish and chip shops over the next 20-odd years and the children absolutely hated working in them. And by the time I had turned to fifty, I turned 50, I realised I'd been unhappy for many years and why was the children had all married... Um, why was I staying in an unhappy marriage? And so one day I took my clothes, the doona and the pillow, and I'd heard about Centrelink um, having rent assistance and I thought they helped you find a place to rent. Um, So I went there and they said, no, you find a place, pay a year's bond, pay a month's rent. Well, I had no money. Mm. And I thought, well, I've got the doona and the pillow, so I can sleep in the car. I'll be fine until I find a place. Um, What was I going to do for the rest of that day? So I went and visited a friend who said to me, you're not going to sleep in the car. You're going to stay with us. I've got two empty rooms. The boys have got married, so you can stay with us. And I'd known her for about 15, 16 years and used to work for her part-time. She had a fabric shop but knew nothing about sewing. Yeah. So I used to sew for some of her clients and um, so it was a friendship. She'd been raised in a, um, in a uh, not a convent, but very similar, in a boarding school back in England. So we sort of had things in common. She never knew who her, her parents were. So we had, you know, things in common. Um, and I ended up wanting to work in an office, but by then computers had come in. Yep which I knew nothing about them. So um, pokies had also come in at that stage Mm. and the pokies needed staff and I was able to get a job really quick. And I loved it. I saw people having fun and I've always enjoyed puzzles and games. So for me, that's what it was. Yeah. So um, 
I started playing because the venue I worked at was 24-hour venue. So I would go there quite often myself and pretty soon I started gambling heavier. And uh, I used to think I was the only one that was losing. Yeah, it's funny, isn't when it? The yeah. people, <laughs> when people left the venue, I would think they had to go home to cook or pick up the kids from school or maybe go to work. It never occurred to me they left because they'd lost all their money. Yeah. But um, I only, I thought I was the only one who lost. Um, pretty soon I didn't have enough money to pay my car repayments. and But I knew that if I didn't gamble the following week that there'd be enough. And so I never worried about because I never had money, so I knew yeah. how to save. Yeah. So I knew next month I'd be able to pay it, but... Um, it just got out of hand and sometimes I'd want to stop and I'd say, oh, at the end of the month or on my mother's birthday or my birthday or at Christmas, I'm not ne- going to gamble anymore. Never right I now. I just couldn't yeah. do it. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And one Thursday after I'd got paid and lost all my money gambling, I knew where my friend kept her money and I took some thinking I just needed more money and that's... Um, I was convinced I was going to win, but I didn't win. Yeah, that's why you're a gambler, I think, because you're convinced <laughs> you're going to win. I'm, yeah. gonna, it's, <laughs> I'm bound to get money. I just yeah. can't keep losing. Yeah. So um, yeah. I lost, and that night I had to tell them what I had done, and they'd known me for a long time, and they knew that I was a hard-working person. Um, they'd known me 15, 16 years, and... I thought they'd kick me out of the house, but they didn't. Um, They told me about Gamblers Anonymous. And I went to my first meeting the very next night. It was was Friday night down at Seaford. And it was Easter Friday. And I remember thinking, all these men outside the door of the church, they must be having a midnight mass or something. But it was... They were there for GA. And I thought, oh, yeah. Women don't gamble like me. Women don't steal like me. It's only I'm the bad person around here. Yeah. I'm the only one who does that. So um, until we went in and started sharing our stories and their stories of helplessness, um, how they wanted to give up but couldn't until they got to GA. Some had gone to prison um, and yet they had time up and... Then I shared my story. But when I heard theirs, I felt as though we had some kind of... There was some... Like we were relatives because I'd never met grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins. So I had this connection with these people. I thought that this was better than sliced bread. I knew I could do it with their help. But I couldn't understand how it could work. They didn't give you anything to make you stop it was just listening to you and sharing your story and people actually caring they asked you how your week was or they greeted you in a happy manner so it wasn't like that at home it never had been so for me this was very comfortable and I managed to stop for over six years and then my mother died and my stepfather didn't want me at the funeral. 
and I got cross. I thought, do you think I'm bad? They didn't even know about my gambling. And I went and gambled, thinking it was only going to be a few minutes or one day, but I found I couldn't stop. Oh, right. I, <laughs> I kept going to my meetings yeah. um, for the next three years. I don't know what the other members thought. Here's Elizabeth with six years abstinence and all of a sudden every week she'd say three days, ten days, one day. It went on for three years until my stepfather died and he had changed his will before he died, left everything to his daughter, cut his sons out of the will and left me a little bit of money. And I remembered those three years that I worked from 18 to 21 and I'd given them all my wages. And I thought, I deserve to get some of that back. And I got a third of the estate, and I thought, what am I going to do? You know, nobody knew. I thought, I could gamble this easily. I could make millions. (laughs) But I also thought, if I'm capable of stealing from a friend, I'm capable of losing all this money. I put it into long-term deposit for a while until I could decide where to purchase a home because for the last 10 odd years I'd been living as a live-in house. I I used to house sit for people while they went on holidays. Mm. Sometimes it was just for a week or two. I've had other stints where I did nine months while they were overseas or travelling around Australia. So and I loved it because I saw different houses, different areas and I couldn't decide where I wanted to live. Mm. Do I want to live near where I work or do I want to live near where my children are? So it was a bit of a struggle and I didn't know at the time but my friends really worried thinking she's gambling or what is she going to do with that money? And it wasn't until more recently that I found out that they were worried about it. Mm. I wasn't lucky at gambling, but I sure have got good friends. Good friends, yeah. It's been over 10 years now that I've stopped gambling and life couldn't be better for me. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Yes. Okay, thanks. Um, so, Adam, back to you. We, you've, I think you're up to um, we left you gambling in the TAB when you were about 15. Yeah. So what happened when you left school? Um, well, I went and got a, a traineeship with the government. Um, it was good money at the time compared to other people that probably weren't working straight out of school. Um, and the people that are on apprenticeships, it'll probably maybe three quarters as much as what they were earning. Um, it was flexible and that. Um, so did you start gambling once you started getting money? Was that the sort of the trigger to kick you off? No, I was no? well and truly gambling before yeah. money came okay. involved. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I mean, money was the first instant, but I just, I'm not sure what it was, whether it was the adrenaline rush or whether I wanted to be the best at something or whether I was punishing myself, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not sure. There's no, I, I, I don't even try and analyse it anymore. No. Um, I used to think, I did ask my dad once that, uh, my mum's not alive anymore, but I asked my dad, I said, um, did you and mum argue about money when I was little? Have I got a thing about money? And he went, no, nah, he goes, we only ever argued about my drinking. Yep. It was never about money. So it's, I don't I don't know what it was or why, mm. but I gambled well before money was involved. Yeah. yeah. So were you a studying gambler? Did you study the form? 
I, I did. Of course I did. I bought books on it and everything, but I was still hopeless. I never changed my betting style. I never went from a win better to a trifecta better. I never went from a win better to a quadrilla better. I never had daily doubles. I All I would do was just try and pick something that was going to double the amount of money that I wanted to put on, which meant that I used to place bet a lot, right. which is just in the scheme of gambling, that's yeah. just stupid. Yeah. yeah, there was no skill involved at all. Yeah. And, yes, I used to read the form guide constantly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what... What do you think it was about gambling? What was your, your aim? Oh, I just, I really think that I was just lazy. I'm a lazy person. Yeah, I really do think that I'm lazy. Um, there's three things that we talk about in the 12-step program that I do. Um, it's make a moral and a financial inventory of yourself. And the financial thing, it can't be done. It's just, it's irrelevant anyway. Yeah. But the moral thing, I think to myself, I'm selfish and I'm immature. Yeah. And they're two things that I can work on. I can really work on not being selfish. Yeah, I can. I mean, it takes. I have to take a step back and go. Hang on, mm. you know, share yeah. your stuff. Yeah. You know, um, and the immaturity thing. Um, I think it. I'm still very immature. I like I hang out with my son and my daughter, and they're more mature than what I am. If anyone's going to muck up, it's me. You know, yeah. my wife's always got to pull me up, not yeah. the kids. Yeah, and my kids are seventeen and eighteen now. Yeah. But you yeah. know, or well, eighteen and nineteen. But but I, but I think fundamentally is that I'm lazy. Um, I don't want to work for my money. Um, I don't. I don't think it's the. I just think that people want more out of me than what I can give them. So I start getting resentments about them. Yeah. So, yeah, they. So I just. I want to win me fortune, and then when I do win the fortune, all I want to do is just sit on my couch and sleep me life away. It's real yeah. weird. It's a yeah. weird thing. It's like I don't want to win. Uh, millions of dollars to go world traveling or buying castles or mansions and that i just want to be able to eat and drink water or milk you know what i mean like feed myself and be comfortable and buy christmas presents and birthday presents and stuff i don't want to have to eat lobsters and that i just want to have enough money to survive but i'm when it comes to it i'm not yeah i'm it's not about you know um Oh, what do you call it? It's, I don't want to be rich person as in have the flashiest cars and all that sort of mm. stuff. I just want to have my own time. Now, I don't know what that is. I'm still yeah. thinking. I'm 47 years old and I don't have a clue. Yeah. 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 Do you think depression was any influence in your life? In yeah. yeah. Um, was it part of me gambling? I think I've always been a gambler, um, but I've always had stress and anxiety yeah i won't call it depression, depression. Yeah. it's depression now yeah. i um people ask me about my gambling story now and i say ever since i've stopped drugs but gambling i've got no stress and no anxiety at all i don't have any stress and i don't have any anxiety but i definitely my depression is up and down and it's a lot more my stress and my anxiety used to be an eight, eight and a nine out of ten and my depression used to be maybe a one and a two. Yeah. But the stress and the anxiety is gone completely. I don't have it, but my depression's about an eight and a nine. But I believe that that's going to get better with time. I'll just, I reflect a lot on where I've come from and what I've done to myself. And I just think, oh, how did I get to this point? You know what I mean? Mm. But it's going to get better. It's got to get better. Yeah. 
Uh, my anger used to be about a 13 out of 10. Like yeah. it was out of control, my anger. Yeah. yeah. But it was more like I was self destructed. You know, it was like, I'll do what I want when I want and I don't care what anyone else has got to say. Where my anger now, maybe a five, four, three. Yeah. yeah I still get angry, but a lot less. But um, yeah, life's changed. Um, depression. Um, I used to get a little bit depressed going from parent to parent. Yeah, I don't know if you'd call that depression, just sad. Yeah, I think I think that's a yeah. normal thing for kids to. Yeah. And then I um, yeah. I'm, I'm heavily burnt. I've burnt myself when I was young, and I used to get bullied a lot at school. And um, I found it hard to make friends because I was uh, I looked different to other people. I had a burn suit that I had to wear fully head right down to me ankles. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, people didn't want to associate with me because I looked different, like a freak a little bit. I won't, mm, you know, yeah. it's a word. I wasn't. It is a word to say, but yeah. you look fine now. Yeah, no, you yeah. wouldn't tell unless no. I mentioned it. You couldn't tell. You know what I mean? Um, I'll just quickly, you know, um, oh, I won't bring that up. It doesn't matter. But um. Yeah, depression got anything to do with the gambling? Didn't help. Was it a was it a source? I don't think so. Mm. But it definitely didn't help. If I had been a cheerful person, maybe I wouldn't have gambled as much. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm, I was a depressive person. Yeah. So uh, gambling was a good source of getting out. Yeah. Yeah. So when you lost money, yep. How did you feel? Oh, I just thought well, I'll be fine. It'll tomorrow's another day. I'll get it from somewhere. Yeah, you know, I'll borrow it off somebody. You know, me luck's got to change. I can't be this bad for so long. Yeah. It's got to change, and it never changed. It never ever changed. I lose, lost every day. Yeah. People would say to me, "Did you even have a little win, mate?" I did not have a little win. I had a win once, and um, it was just enough to buy me wife an engagement ring. Yeah. And I went, I've got to go out and buy this because if I don't, no. this yeah. money's going to be gone tomorrow. Yeah. And it wasn't an expensive one, yeah. but I never won. Yeah, it wasn't, didn't come into my vocabulary. Okay. That's yeah. sad. <laughs> okay. You're listening to Living Free Show on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. I'm chatting with Liz and Adam, and we're talking about gambling and the effects of gambling on one's life. So, Elizabeth, um, most families have some tendency that whatever you suffer from has happened before. So was there any gambling in, in your families? Yes. Well, I was told that my father was a gambler and was disinherited by his family because he used to gamble too much and before mum had met him he had just come out of jail and he had died in prison um, but why I don't know I never yeah. found that out but during my married life the early years my husband was one of six boys and we all lived in a small court and we used to play cards every Saturday night for one and two cent pieces and um, we'd start about 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening, play till 6 in the morning. Whoa. <laughs> and it was a long session. And then the men would go and play golf. And I'd be thinking, why are you leaving? I haven't won anything. I knew way back then that, you know, I was 
I was uncontrollable. I knew um, one one year we ended up owning a piano, and I used to play that piano for hours. And the children recently were listening to some Neil Diamond songs, and I thought, "How do you know Neil Diamond? You were little. Oh, Mum, don't you remember you used to play what? the piano? Yeah. And we rem- they remember it from when they used to go to bed, and I'd be playing for hours. Yeah. But yeah, we progressed from the one and two cent pieces to five and ten, and then to fifty cents, one dollar, two dollars, and. We didn't quite play till six in the morning anymore. We were getting older. But we used to play till about one or two in the morning. Yeah. And um, I never seemed to win. And we knew it was a good night. If you beat my husband at cards, it made you feel good if you beat him one hand because he apparently made everybody angry. (laughs) You felt like you had won the jackpot if you beat him in just one hand. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, but he was a gambler before I met him. He had his car repossessed just before we eloped, so if if I want to call it that term. Um, I thought the car was repossessed just because... He couldn't make the payments because he was also from a fairly poor family. But it was repossessed because he was a gambler. He used to gamble every Saturday. Um, he used to work, eventually worked for his father in a restaurant they owned and he went out the back door and directly opposite was the TAB. Oh, OK. Yeah. And if I didn't go there in the morning um, when they got paid Saturday morning, the money would all be gone. So I would try and get there early on Saturday morning to get part of the wage to be able to have food on the table. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yes. so. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere, yes. isn't it? Um, so, Adam, financing a gambling habit takes a bit of effort. Yeah, so how did, how did you finance it, apart from work? Oh, t- borrowed, steal. Yep. Yep. Doing shit that I shouldn't have. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So did that cause you any problems with people? Oh yeah, I didn't have good relationships with them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wouldn't matter if you, even if you're borrowing money off people and you're paying them back when you said. Yep. It's just the the point about borrowing money borrowing in money. the first place. Like yep. you know, they get sick of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was not. Yeah. It's good. Not good at all. Yeah. So did they ever not lend you because they thought your gambling was a problem? Did they ever say anything? No, they they didn't get a choice. All okay. right. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. yeah, they really didn't get a choice. I, it was either I'd stand over them physically and mentally mm. or I'd cry like a baby and they just I'd beat them down. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was not good. It turned me into a person that I wasn't. Yeah, I really – some of the stuff that I did, I'm not proud of at all. Mm. Um, and it wasn't the physical thing. It was the mental anguish that I used to put them on through, yeah. um, particularly my dad. I'd speak to him ridiculously hard, you know, using every bad word you could think of. Yeah. And then with my wife and a good mate of mine, um, I'd ask him to put money into my account. And I'd be ringing them back in 10 minutes saying, come on, where is it? And just, like, really just annoying them. Like, it was very, very bad. It wasn't good. 
Yeah, mm. I'm not proud of it at all. Okay. So what caused you to think that things should change? Like you didn't want to live like this forever. Um, I didn't think I was going to live to this age. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I did things that should have knocked me off a lot earlier. <laughs> and then I got to a stage where it was someone's birthday was coming up, whether it was my birthday, my wife's birthday or my son's birthday. And I got to about 45 years of age. Like I knew I had a gambling problem from five yeah. Yeah. yeah but it wasn't a financial thing until 15 yeah but then i didn't really contemplate it until i got to about 22 and i'd lost me wage constantly and i went you've got an issue here mate you got to do something about this but i'd never done anything about it until i was 45 and i just woke up one morning and i remember lying in bed going how am i still here i can't believe that i'm still here like number one i should have died from my petrol explosion thing. Yep. Yeah. And um, there's been a few other things that have, that have happened to me that <laughs> haven't happened to normal people. And I'm thinking, how am I still here? I can't believe that I'm still here. And I'm just looking at the roof and I'm like, you know, just um, dwelling in my thoughts and all that sort of stuff. And then I turned to my right and I went, oh, no, my wife's still here. What have I done? What have I done? And that's when I went, mate, don't worry about yourself. Do something for her. It's not fair. And I used to think to myself that she would follow me to the end of the earth and I'd just fall off and then she'd just go, what do I do now? And just turn around and keep and walk backwards. Mm. Like she just loved me that much. She, my wife's more addicted to me than I was to gambling. Yeah. Like there was – and I just felt guilt. Um, it still took me maybe 14 or 15 months to really do something. Um, I went to a barbecue, a Christmas barbecue in 2016 – and um, one of the people there said, how come you're not drinking? And I went, well, I can't afford a six-pack. I can't, you know, I can't afford the 16 17 dollars $18, $20 for a beer. I go, I've got $20 in my pocket. And I go, and that's got to last me. And a bloke from over the yard said, a month. And I went, yeah, how do you know? And he goes, yeah, I've got a gambling problem too. Oh, I used to. And I went, what do you mean used to? And he went, well, I go to Gamblers Anonymous. I do a 12-step program. And I went, oh, yeah. And he goes, you should have a try. And, like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll, yeah. I'll do it. And I went, yeah, all right, well, I'll, I'll go and I'll, um, I'll look into it. So I, um, I went home that night and I got on the website and um, I had a few stipulations. It needed to be close to where I lived. It needed to be convenient. Yeah, yeah, convenient. Where if in my gambling days I would have travelled 100 case to have a bet, you know, yeah. it was stupid, yeah. yeah. Um, I, just quickly, I remember uh, we used to take trips to Echuca. Uh, which from Melbourne is, you yeah. know, it's 100, 200 Ks, whatever, 220 yeah. Ks. And yeah. we used to come back and my hands would be black, you know, like black. And we and people that I went with weren't like that. And they went, what's that from? I go, that's from putting the 10s and the 20 cent pieces in the machines. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were black. Um, so I used to travel miles. But I wouldn't go more than 8 Ks out of my near yeah. vicinity. Anyway, I got to um, – Went down the GA website. I go to Gamblers Anonymous, obviously, and I got down the GA website. Tuesday, Thomastown, no, too far, not going to make it. There's venues on the way. Thursday, Ivanhoe, no, not going to make it. There's venues on the way. Friday, Saturday, nothing come up. Got to Sunday, went, oh, I don't have to go. I don't have to go. And then the last meeting, what's on here? which is the one that Elizabeth started. And I went, no, I've got to go. I've said that I'm going to go. I've got to go. And I went, it's not going to work. So I just wanted to get there. Get the hour and a half get home. Yeah. and get home yeah. and just get that hour and a half underneath me belt and say to me wife and the bloke that I spoke to at the barbecue, didn't work. 
but it did work. <laughs> yeah. And um So what was your first meeting like? Um it was um it was confronting. It was like I didn't have any fear because I didn't care. Like I didn't yeah, yeah I just thought it's not going to work and I knew how um the 12 step program worked. It was like it was an anonymity you know mm. you could say whatever you want and these people are not going to repeat it mm. it's not allowed it's mm. like one of those things that you can't be doing that you know yeah. like it's yeah it's not the right thing to do so i knew that i could say whatever i wanted so i had no fear i just went if i if i got to share which i i thought i was really surprised because i thought that they'd be lined up out the door Normally, hundreds of them, yeah. Yeah, I really did, hundreds, and I really do mean hundreds. I thought that there'd be at least 50 people there because I know that gambling is a huge thing in Melbourne, in Australia. Australians love a punt, you know what I mean? And Melbourne definitely was the the mecca. Um, So I was surprised at that, but there was only like seven or eight members there. And, um, yeah, I remember just going in there, waiting for the hour and a half to finish so I could get home and say it doesn't work. And... um, Mm. I knew that I was going to have to share my story at one stage. And um, I remember I was about the fourth or the fifth person to, and they said, do you want to you know, talk about where you've come from and yeah. how you got here? And I remember maybe talking for about five or six seconds and bringing up my wife and I was just crying like a baby, like shaking hysterically. And my hairs were standing up and I was like a dribbling mess. You know, I was like, I needed tissues and I was, yeah, not good and I felt sick. And I went, what is happening to me? And I've let out 35 years of angst. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I do remember walking in there feeling like I weighed 100 kilos, a ton, and then walking out like I was walking on air. And Mm. I went, oh, this feels good. This worked. What happened? And then I also thought to myself that I don't want this to just be one meeting. I don't want to come back here in 10 and 15 years and then going through what I just went through then with the crying and the hyperventilating and that. So I went, I'll just keep going. And then my second meeting was at Thomastown. And there was a few more members there. There might have been about 10 or 12 members there. But there was someone that I knew as well. And I went, oh. <laughs> and I remember getting on my back heel and wanting to walk out. And I went, no, nah, I'm not going through that sooky thing again. Yeah. And again, they asked me to share. And again, I hyperventilated and was crying. I mean, like hysterical, like. You know, I'm trying to get my story out. And I just went, what is wrong? I'm not that sort of person. I don't cry. And um, again, I just felt good. And they understood. And they, another thing I get out of the 12-step meeting is that people listen. Um, I get to speak for three or four minutes or five or six minutes and no one interrupts me and they look at me and they're listening. Whether they're getting it or not, I don't know. But they give me the attention that I want. Yeah. that I need, yeah. where you don't seem to get that from people. You'll talk to people, maybe counsellors or whatever, and they'll always, you know, say, yeah, oh, yeah, I get it, or oh, this, or that, and then I'll go, oh, what about me, and uh, this happened to me, and you don't get to finish your story. Yeah. But in GA, or my, all 12-step meetings that I've been to, they listen. You don't get that anywhere else. Yeah, it's a good feeling, isn't it? It is yeah. a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, listen, we're, we're heading towards the end of the show. Um, so I guess the other thing, Elizabeth, we were going to talk about was a bit about Gambler's Help. You, oh, you, did some, yes. you did some speaking for Gambler's Help. So do you want to just talk about what Gambler's Help does and how that... I'm, I do peer connection, which is I have about 20 clients that I call 
uh, I'll call about half of them each week. Yeah. And talk because they don't want to go to a meeting. They yeah. don't want to be seen. Yeah. I also found after speaking publicly um, to groups who were training to be counsellors or to others, um, like once I was asked to speak to a group of childcare workers and I sort of thought, do they all gamble together? But it was for them to find out the lies that people tell to Mm. be able to, you know, when they bring their kids in. And I've realised that that if I... (laughs) I realised that if I had um, rung up Gambler's Help originally, it wouldn't have worked for me because they ask, would you like to cut down or would you like to stop? Yeah. I There's no way I wanted to cut uh, to stop. No. I wanted to cut down, maybe. Yeah. I still would love to go gambling, but I know that if I place that first bet, yeah. I'm a goner. Goner, yeah. I cannot stop. I play games on my phone and... Sometimes I'm up till two or three or four in the morning still playing yeah. games. Yeah. So I know I'm compulsive. Yeah. I cannot stop once I start. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, Gambler's Anonymous works. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, well, listen, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, I'd like to thank Elizabeth and Adam for coming in and sharing their uh, Gambler's Anonymous recovery experience with us. Thank you both. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Bill. Um, I hope you're about to join us again next week when we'll be talking about recovery from compulsive drinking and we'll be joined by John, who's a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Thanks for listening to Living Free Program today.